Welcome to Power the Next 100 podcast presented by Penn Athletics. My name is Alana Shanahan and I am the Director of Athletics and Recreation at the University of Pennsylvania. Today I'm excited to introduce our guests, Sanella Kunovac, Anastasia Poznikova, and Alice Pursue, three of the most celebrated women's tennis players in Penn history. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to start by sharing some of your accomplishments. Uh, the lists are long, so bear with me, but this is the fun part of the job. So we're going to start with Sanella, who hopefully many of you know, is our Penn women's head tennis coach entering her 14th season. She was the first player in history to win Ivy League Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year in the same season. She was part of Ivy League Championships teams in 2001 and 2002 and was the first three-year Penn women's tennis team captain. That's Sanella. Welcome, Sanella. All right, Anastasia. Um, actually, and Sanella, I should mention, graduated from the college in 2004. Next, we have Anastasia, who graduated from Wharton in 2000. She was an Ivy League Rookie of the Year and a three-time first-team All-Ivy participant. She's currently servicing, ser serving excuse me, on our Penn Tennis Advisory Board, which we much appreciate. Thank you, Anastasia. And we're going to wrap up with Alice, who also a graduate of the class of 2004 from the college. She was a two-time All-American in 2001-2 and 2002-3. She was a two-time unanimous Ivy League Player of the Year. She was the second Ivy League woman to advance to the round of eight at NCAAs, and she finished the 2003 season as the 24-ranked player in the country. She was two-time first-team All-Ivy League, and she was the first-ever Penn women's tennis player to be invited to the Indoor All-American Championship. So wonderful to have you all. Um, without further ado, I'm hopeful we can begin our conversation. So I think... Um, you know what, Sanella, this question is obvious for you. So I'm going to push this one to Anastasia. Anastasia, maybe you can tell us what you've been up to since graduating from Penn. Okay. Um, I started my career in the investment banking industry in New York. Um, I, I'm still in New York uh, 22 years later, uh, but I have now switched to being on the investment side. Uh, I am with Global Infrastructure Partners, which is... Uh, uh, a manager of infrastructure funds. Fabulous, putting that Wharton education to work. Wonderful, <laughs> Alice. How about you? Maybe, um, maybe a favorite memory from Penn athletics or otherwise, something that brings you back to your college days. Oof, uh, <laughs> that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I have so many memories. It's it's kind of hard to choose from, but I would say my fondest memories are of little moments we've shared with the team on our trips, little, um, the connections that we've made. And um, I guess if it was just one image in my head, it was the the van trips and everybody, you know, singing together in a van or doing something silly after the matches, um, you know, little little moments like that are, are un unforgettable. So uh, if I had to choose one, it was the, the van trips that were- The van were trips. Fun. Yes, the van I trips. I love it. It's, you know, it's amazing how many of our, our, um, our, our most entertaining memories in particular are not on the court or on the field or in the pool. They are about all the things that happened around our athletics pursuit. So absolutely understandable. Yeah. So uh, Sunella, this is a good one for you, um, since you've stayed obviously very connected to Penn Athletics, but um, 
you know, how do you think when you think back about Penn, like how did it impact your life? How did it help you become who you are today? Wow. Um, well, I think Penn, <clears throat> excuse me, has had such a tremendous impact on my life. And to the extent that I couldn't have possibly anticipated, even to this day, sometimes I also wonder how that's possible. So I came to Penn on the heels of a civil war in Bosnia, and uh, we came to U.S. as refugees. And then uh, coming to Penn and having, first and foremost, it was a form of stability of the best kind where I was surrounded by uh, people who were curious and intellectually driven and athletically driven as well. And it just seemed kind of like combine a lot of things that had mattered to me so much in life. So first and foremost, it was the stability and safety and ability to kind of like day in and day out, just worry about getting uh, smarter and better, becoming a better athlete. And uh, that was kind of the initial. But then after that, things that I probably couldn't antici have anticipated is some of the closest friends in my life have come from Penn, um, some of the biggest inspirations, some of them from my teammates, some from the professors, some from people I've met along the way in campus. And little did I know that I really had no plans. Uh, I always had plans to come stay really connected to Penn just because of the role it played in my life. But little did I know that I was going to have this tremendous opportunity to continue that what was so special for me by helping provide it to the other athletes by coaching at Penn. So um kind of gave me a career which I did not uh, anticipate I'm just so grateful every day I'm just so grateful to have been part of Penn and also to you know Bob Levy who was a big influence in helping me pick the university and Mike Dowd for recruiting me um very often I remember that awesome fabulous all right this one I am going to pose to all three of you because I think it's a it's a fun question and um it's basically you know you now decades later, if you could give your 18 year old self some advice, Anastasia, maybe we can start with you. What would that advice look like? I think that would be not to be so hard on myself. Uh, I think, uh, you know, being a student athlete um, has a lot of demands on, on us and, uh, you know, trying to perform in the classroom, perform on the court, uh, and, and trying to do it all can be overwhelming. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of student athletes who get into Penn are very driven. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, over the years I was able to relax about, uh, what I needed to do and who I needed to be and enjoy life, uh, and take a breath once in a while. Fabulous. Same question to you, Alice, your 18 year old self, what would you say? Um, I would say that uh, be open to uh, new ideas, new experiences. I think um, when you're 18, you think you know what you want to do in life. Um, but there's so many opportunities out there and so many um, roads that you can take. Um, and in my example, I graduated with um, a degree in economics and international relations. I thought I was going to be in the in those two fields. Um, they did support my life career, but I ended up being an interior designer and following my um, you know lifelong passion. So um, every experience that I've had and I've learned at Penn and um, afterwards working in consulting in New York um, has led me to where I am today. 
Um, but um, I would say, you know, when you're 18, it's, it's your job to explore and have fun and learn from everybody and listen. And you never know where you're going to end up and uh, follow your instincts, follow your passions. And it'll, it will turn out what you're meant to do and be in your life. It'll turn out. It could be in five years. It could be in 10 years. But have fun and explore. That's what I would yeah. say. Absolutely. Great advice. So, yeah. Sonella, you're working with 18-year-olds every day. What does your advice look like? Yeah, my advice to myself, and I don't think it's biased with the fact that I work with them right now, but I think it would have been just to be a little less rigid in worrying about the grades and GPA. And don't get me wrong, I am not saying just like <laughs> phone it in. And uh, clearly all of us that are at Penn, we have that natural desire to learn and curiosity and thirst for knowledge. So we wouldn't have been here if that wasn't the case. But once you're here, I would say, um, I would have told myself not to be so fixated on the numbers and just perfection and that sort, but maybe take some of that time the opportunity cost of it was too much both in terms of stress and time that was lost i would have probably wished that i spent a little more in communication with dorm mates classmates um anyone else just a little more of that would have gone a long way fabulous fabulous all right so this one i'll, I'll put up for grabs because it's about failure and i know not everybody's comfortable talking about failure but uh would love at least one of you to sort of pose a question or pose an answer to you know, when did you have that failure experience and, and what did you learn from it? You know, were you able to sort of fail forward and what did that look like for you? Any takers? Sure, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I think we are all very familiar with failure because every match you lose feels like a failure. Uh, and for that day, it, it's so traumatic. And, you know, especially in the um, of, um, college sports, you know, in college tennis, it's a team effort and you feel you failed, not just yourself, but, but your teammates. And yet you learn that there's another match and there's another day and there's another tournament and you pick yourself up and um, you, you, you carry those lessons through the rest of your life. You piece it back together. I feel like it's one of those advantages. Go ahead, Alice. Yeah, I'm just going to say, I think I'd like to rephrase that because I think when we're younger, we think failure is failing and, and it, you know, we feel bad about it. But I think as I get older, I realize it's actually not a failure. It's really everything is in life is trial and error. And I, 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 I don't define it as failure anymore. It's basically just making a decision and then figuring out that it worked, that it not. And then you move on to the next and you try something else. And so I know it's a cliche, but you know, failures are normal and it's, it's, it's part of life. Um, and I think we should rephrase a little bit of, you know, reframe how we look at it. Um, mm -hmm. It would benefit everybody. And I think as an athlete, we did learn that failure is part of your game. Um, and uh, we learn how to, um, you know, be sad, deal with the emotions of it. And then you pick yourself up the next day and you go to practice and you try again and you try again and you don't give up until you figure it out. So I think, um, yeah, I don't see failure as failure anymore. I just see trial error. Life is trial and error in the end. Yeah. Opportunity to grow. How about you, Sonal? Anything you'd add? Yeah, I, I, you can see that I've uh, stayed in touch with Alice because um, I was having similar thoughts in terms of just the framing of the word failure and how finite it used to sound and how 
uh, not as detrimental it really sounds right now. And I would say, <clears throat> I guess one thing that uh, when I was younger, I was so fortunate to be surrounded by outstanding people in the form of teachers, coaches, mentors, and um, in different, even from Penn, internships and opportunities after. And I shied away from um, like not staying in touch with those people, but reaching out uh, because I always felt like they were just being so nice and taking out of their time to uh, support me. So I really didn't want to be a burden. So even though I could have used sometimes their advice or could have reached out, I, I felt shy and I felt like I don't want to bother them. And um, now that it's interesting, like after so many years and I hear back from the athletes that used to play for me, for people that I've had impact with and the way they reach out and the way they connect, it makes me so happy, whether it's just to say hello, whether it's to ask um, advice or follow up on things. And I feel like that's one thing I wish I would have felt when I was younger, that it's okay and that those people are not there, like they're not begrudgingly helping. They're actually excited to be part of my life. So I feel like, again, I wouldn't call it a failure, but maybe it's something that I keep in mind now, both in terms of how I treat those that might be younger and looking up to me, but also how I look through my own lens nowadays. Fabulous, fabulous. All right, so maybe let's uh, let's pivot a little bit, switch gears, and let's talk a little bit about Title IX and the history of women's athletics at Penn and, and hopefully where we're heading. So, and I'll open this again to any of you. Um, thoughts on Title IX and what you think it means for the experience you were able to have um, as a tennis playing youth and college athlete? I think, I mean, I have a short answer to that. I think coming from, from Europe, from Romania, from a foreign country, I wasn't very familiar with it when I first came, um, but I was definitely the, the recipient of, um, you know, the results and opportunities that it created for women in sports. And I'm definitely very grateful for that. And I'm, I'm very happy to see how that impacted women's sports during my time and afterwards. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think in my mind, it's a given, but it took some time to get there. And now, um, you know, I'm happy we are where we are, um, the Title IX and women's sports. It's amazing. Absolutely. And I think that my second question is sort of a, a takeoff of that one. You know, we've had a successful first 100 years of women's athletics at Penn, and now we're gearing up for the next 100. You know, as you reflect on your own personal experiences, you know, what are your hopes for our female athletes over the course of the next 100 years? How might they look a little different than what you hope for with your own personal experience? And happy to have anyone answer that one. <laughs> I, I don't know if I feel... Uh, that those goals are, are somewhat different, but I think, you know, participation in athletics um, during your college time gave us, you know, gave me a sense of place and purpose. You know, it, it, it defined me in a sense, you know, and it's anything from having a community, having friends who you turn to and, you know, having your, you know, your accomplishments uh, written up in the college paper uh, you know, it all, it all creates, you know, identity for, for us. And I think that's so important for anybody. And especially I think for current generation to know where they fit in in the world and who they are. Yeah. Fabulous. Alice or Sonella? Yeah. I mean, 
Okay, I was just going to say I have a 10 year old daughter and um, she does play sports. So this is relevant. And um, she plays three sports right now. She does play tennis. Um, she loves swimming and she also does jiu-jitsu. Uh, so um, I think busy it's very girl. important for her. To, <laughs> yeah, she's a very busy girl. I think she um, it's very beneficial to her health, um, you know, her, her mind, body, um, you know, health. And I think it's, it's important for developmental purposes. Um, and there's so many lessons I've learned as a young, um, you know, teenager, how to, um, you know, how to work hard, how to set goals, um, you know, how to manage my time. There's so many skills that you learn through athletics that are very important for your health and also for your future um, work life um, in general. So I think uh, there's there's a lot to learn there. It's very important for everybody to, um, yeah, to be involved in athletics on, on one level or another. Mm -hmm. I would say similarly to Alice coming from, you know, a foreign country and not really being um, well-versed in kind of the history of the women athletics. And I think a little bit of a tricky part was the sport of tennis for since I was a kid had female athletes that were as famous as popular, you know, Steffi Graf, Monica Seles. So I grew up believing that there's no really big difference between, you know, the men's tennis uh, superstar and the women's tennis superstars and striving to be there. And uh, so maybe tennis, even to this day, right, the, the Serena Williams, and I think tennis as a female sport is like right up there. But then, um, after spending time in Penn athletics and athletics overall as a coach, I started realizing um, and you know just hearing the stories from alumni and seeing how over time the opportunities for female athletes are getting better and better. Uh, the facilities, the coaching opportunities, and it's not the same for all the sports, but we all are beneficiaries of when the female sports do really well. So I have learned to greatly appreciate those who came before us, who fought for this, uh, because three of us on the call, perhaps all coming from different backgrounds, uh, we wouldn't, wouldn't have even had an opportunity that we did have. Um, so moving forward, I feel like, I think the sense of female athletes feeling like they belong in the same playing field, they belong in the same headlines, um, I see it amongst the players that play for the team right now. They don't necessarily see a difference between them and the men's teams. So to me, that's really a, a encouraging and something to build on. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And I think, Alice, to your point, I think a lot of how we think about the experience we're providing to our athletes today and ideally moving forward is to sort of... Um, broaden it to a certain extent and making it a bit more holistic, you know, in addition to what they're learning on the court, how are we thinking about developing their leadership skills? How are we ensuring that um, their well-being is first and foremost? And obviously athletics participation is part of that, but how are we servicing the whole person and graduating a better individual in addition to a better tennis player? So absolutely kind of resonated with some of what you shared. All right, so let's maybe turn to some of the um, some of the fun stuff. And this is again for all of you. So a favorite class at Penn and maybe a favorite place you enjoyed studying while you were here. Anastasia, you can start. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite class at Penn was introduction to philosophy. Um, <laughs> I think it was just ability to write and think freely um, because the rest of my education at Wharton, which was very, very much in developing my logical thinking and, and, and preparing me for, for the world, uh, you know, of business, 
but I wish I had more time to take some of uh, uh, more liberal arts uh, and, and, and sciences courses. Fabulous. A favorite place to study? Did you have a, a favorite library or a favorite building or not so much? It had to be on the tennis courts. It had to be on the benches of a tennis court. There you go. Fair enough. Alice, how about you? Um, I have a, a, a funny and um, story. My favorite class is actually, it was 101 psychology. I've always been interested in, in people's psychology. And I just remember that um, I, I it was my worst grade, I think, in all of Penn. I kept getting it. I loved the class. I showed up every day. I loved the material. Um, being from Europe, we didn't have multiple choice uh, tests. We were writing out, it was more essay, and I just couldn't figure out how to take multiple choice um, tests that year. But I remember loving the class and um, it was one of my favorite classes. So worst grade, you know, most enjoyable class, worst grade. <laughs> It's good to know they're not always perfectly correlated. We can no, take takeaways from things where we uh, occasionally struggle. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, Nella, how about you? A favorite class, favorite classroom experience? Yeah, I would say, you know what? Classroom experience, I'll take you on that because I think one of my favorite classes was uh, also philosophy class, it was a social contract, like from start to finish. But okay. I think one of my favorite classroom experiences was in a class that was just an elective, a criminology class. And I remember it was a hundred student lecture and professor created this um, event, so to speak, where there was a commotion outside of classroom. Prote professor pretended like he had no idea what the commotion was about, but it was significant enough and it was building. At some point, uh, three students, or we ultimately found out with students, but three people walk in wearing different gear with water guns, shouting certain things, going to the stage where the professor was giving a lecture, shooting the professor with a water gun, and then just walking out of the classroom. And I remember at that time, part of the class already was on their feet looking to get out of the class. The other class was like going towards the stage thinking, do they need to save the professor? It was like a really hectic experience for the moment. And when those three students ultimately exited the room, the imposter, so to speak, Professor calmly had us sit down, take a piece of paper and pen and said, can you please describe the suspects? So, <laughs> so wow. we said, which I thought was, so we sat down and wrote down and everything we could think of, height, who was male, female. And what was really telling is maybe five minutes passed from the incident to the professor getting all the papers and reading and paper after paper, like three male students, two female, one male. Uh, they got the race, like the descriptions of all of us in that class classroom under stress in that moment, uh, realizing just how not good eyewitness testimony was in those moments. Totally like, such a big impact on me. Like I think I was under the impression of that class for the whole semester. Like thinking, what else around the world I don't see the way I think I see. Well, hey, those enlightening classroom moments are, tend to be the most memorable, so <laughs> good stuff there. Um, all right, so this one I'll throw out to anybody. Um, a favorite memory on a road trip, um, you know, something silly that happened, something memorable that happened, anything that, uh, any good stories to share on a, on a crazy pen road trip? I think I, I, I don't know if you remember, Sanella, um, we had uh, Champ. So we went to build a bear one time with the team. We, um, we got a little bear. Uh, we called him Champ. We dressed him up. Um, 
it was our little mascot. We created our little tennis mascot. And then we would carry him around to all the matches and tournaments. And somebody had to hold him the whole time during the matches. Um, I remember mothering him a lot. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think that was very cute how we created our own little little Build-A-Bear mascot and we took care of him and then took him around to matches to support us and encourage us. So that was very cute. I love it, Alice. That is a great story. Thank you for sharing that one. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, anything, you know, this is just, you know, as you reflect on your professional lives, we'll take it, we'll take a more serious turn and then we'll We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pose one more question after this and then wrap it up. But just, you know, as you think about your career experiences, um, you know, anything that surprised you, anything that you found that was a significant myth in the industry that you're like, wow, like that's not what I expected, but I'm either happy or disappointed in that outcome. But just maybe some insights, any specific insights around um, your careers, your fields of expertise that uh, our listeners may be interested in hearing a bit about, so. Okay, I'll throw one uh, in there. Um, I mean, I'm generally in, in finance. And again, that sort of is considered to be, you know, uh, especially for people with creative interests, sort of a boring type of analytical uh, job or career. And so what I have found, uh, you know, during during my time uh, in, in the industry is that it's actually can be very creative, uh, you know, and it's just uh, a matter of what, you know, tools you use for your creativity. Um, so, but uh, especially, you know, on, on the investment side, how you structure a transaction, um, you know, what ideas you put in there, you know, how you interact with people during that process, how you bounce ideas off each other. Uh, it's it, 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 it just as fascinating as any creative process uh, in, in other industries that uh, have that reputation. Fabulous. Thank you. A little left and right side brain work there. So always a good thing. Well, I'll build on, I guess I'm on the other side of, of um, you know, I'm in a creative field. I'm an interior designer. And I think the myth of being an interior designer or working this field is that it's all, it's all creative or only creative. But I think, um, you know, to be a successful interior designer, you have to be, um, you know, a good business person as well. Um, you know, I think creativity is only probably 20% of the job. The rest is, um, you know, running the business, uh, coordinating. Uh, I do construction projects. So, you know, coordinating all the vendors, um, you know, dealing with issues, unforeseen issues all the time. Um, in working with clients, it's good to understand people and good, be a good um, psychologist. And in some, some regards, hence my, my passion for psychology. It, it did, you, you know, I, I'm using it now. So um, I think it's a multifaceted industry um, because we, we are basically the um, sort of, I would call us the insurance between, you know, for the clients, where the clients advocate in terms of creating a vision for them, uh, working with all the vendors to get it done, solving any problems that come along, um, working with budgets. There's so many aspects to our business. And so I, I love it because it's never, um, never one, there's no two projects that are alike. So it's challenging and it's fun and it's creative. 
um, and very rewarding from, as you said, the right brain, but also the left brain. So again, everything I've done, I've learned at Penn, economics and international relations, psychology, everything. I'm applying everything, a little bit of everything every day. Yeah, no question. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, I would say um, as a student athlete playing at Penn, it was us, teammates, coaches, and that was pretty much the tennis world for me. So coming into the role of being a coach, uh, initially I was surprised the pie chart of my time being spent. I expected 85% to be tennis coaching, tennis, tennis on the court, so to speak. So I was very much- So much for that. <laughs> right, but I was pleasantly surprised. I love tennis, don't get me wrong, but I was pleasantly surprised how many of the, the skills I was gonna need to learn and utilize. and. Not only that, I was, um, to this day, I'm surprised just how many people work behind the scenes to make just Penn Tennis women's experience outstanding. And what I mean by that, everybody would think, well, okay, you have a trainer, sure, and you have a strength conditioning coach and perhaps a nutritionist. So yeah, it makes sense you have that support stuff, but it goes way, way beyond that. Like uh, my interactions with um, the student for athletic success, media office development, facilities, how many people work and put everything in place. So when athletes walk on the courts, the courts are dry, this and that is, I, it's fascinating. So for me, that's something that I really didn't recognize as a student athlete. And because I didn't recognize, I didn't really know even to appreciate it. So little by little, as I'm coaching the team, I try to make sure that they get exposed to all these people who kind of make the thing work. So yeah, that's something that was really surprising for me. Yeah, no question. And I think we all have that moment in our experiences where we realize our enterprise is much more complex and diverse than we may have initially kind of considered. And that, I think that's a fun piece. I think it's part of why you know, we tend to find challenge and enjoyment in our jobs. It's not sort of the same thing every day or kind of a, there, there's some level of consistency, but boy, you know, they can be incredibly dynamic environments, um, even in the sense that you didn't maybe recognize that at the front end, but clearly you do maybe a year or so in. All right, last question, and we'll wrap it up. And this is a fun one, and I'd love for you all to answer it, but it's really what question would you have hoped that I would have asked that I didn't, that you could share a little bit about yourself? So. What do you wish I had asked and what's the answer? I have a quick one. Um, sure. I guess the question would have been, are your kids going to play at Penn? <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I like it, run with it. <laughs> um, I, I have a 14 year old son who plays tennis, who did uh, declare last year that he wants to, to play tennis in college. So uh, my daughter is playing as well. So I guess my short answer to, to that would be, I hope so. I hope they are, um, you know, good enough to make the teams and, um, you know, carry on the legacy. That would be, that would be fun. So um, we're definitely on that track. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love that you would love for them to have the same experience or a similar experience that you had. So good stuff. Anastasia, how about you? What would you advise? Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe it's, it's a question of how do we all ensure that, uh, you know, women that follow after us enjoy the same experiences as, as we did. And, and I think it does take a village here. I think, uh, you know, if you are an alumni and uh, you enjoy playing tennis at Penn, I think there's, there's a, many ways for you to get involved on the mentoring side, on the fundraising side. And that's 
you know, again, we all talked about um, today and, and another time about people who influenced our lives at Pan. And so I hope that everybody who listens to this podcast consider that they have an impact and they can come back to Pan and enrich the lives of current student athletes. Yeah, thanks for that, Anastasia. That's obviously a place where we're living in pretty regularly. We're just excited to re-engage people who've had this experience. You know, even if the experience wasn't perfect, we want to ensure that future experiences are perfect. And sometimes engaging with our history is the best path forward to ensure that the future experiences are exceptional. So I, I appreciate your comments there. How about you, Sonella? What, what would you have hoped I'd ask? Ah, well, it's not fair to follow Anastasia because she just kind of so eloquently, succinctly put it together, which is kind of, uh, so let me see if I can make it a little bit lighter. You know what? It would have been really nice if you asked, when is the next time this group, the date when we're getting together on the court and you're jumping to play doubles with us? So you, the time when you would like to join us. There you go. That is a scary thought, but I, I, I love the invite. You know, as long as you guys don't mind coaching me up and as long as the, the right knee stays intact, it'll be a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you all making time for this. This obviously was a joy. It's wonderful also to see teammates just reconnecting and, and sharing their experiences and stories. So thanks for making the time. And obviously we're hopeful you stay connected to Penn Athletics and we hope to see you on campus this spring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Great talking to you, Alana. Thank you.